Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Lynn Catalano. Lynn is a licensed attorney in New York State and has a 20-year executive career in the nonprofit sector. She has a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, cum laude, at Boston University and continued her education at the University of Buffalo Law School. After a successful career leading nonprofits, she pivoted into helping people identify the toxicity that stands between them and success and helps them develop a plan to thrive. Lynn is the author of the book, Wrecking Ball Relationships, How to Identify, Live With or Leave the Narcissist in Your Life. And I'm delighted that she's come here to talk to us all about toxic relationships in the workplace. Lynn, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Thank you so much, Simon. I'm so honored to be here with you today. It's great to have you, it really is. So every hero has an origin story and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did you get from qualifying as a lawyer, going through the nonprofit sector and now becoming an expert in workplace toxicity? So I am a firm believer that you're where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. I believe that, you know, we receive signs all the time and we have to be receptive and pay attention to them. For me, some of those signs were perhaps a little more negative. I discovered through some horrible journey that my father was a narcissist and it led me to do a lot of research. You know, I'm an attorney by education. I needed to know what was happening. And a lot of times those behaviors cause you to feel lost and confused because they're not normal. And, you know, they're certainly not what you expect of someone in your life. So when they occurred, I went and I started doing a lot of research and talking to a lot of people. I do like to talk, so I will be candid with you about that. But what I found was that this same toxicity translated to the workplace and it wreaked havoc on an organization. And when I continued to learn more and I realized that I was lucky enough to have some real toxic bosses in my time. And I learned a lot from them about what not to do and about how to cope if you have to stay, but more than not, how to leave. Right. Okay. So let's go to kind of brass tacks and get some kind of definitions nailed down. Okay. So for those that don't know, and I may be one of them, how would you define a narcissist? So a narcissist is defined by a very consistent pattern of behavior. They tend to seek out recognition and praise and any kind of uh, reward for their egos. They need to be the most important person in the room, certainly, all of the time. They're unable to exhibit empathy or compassion. Narcissists will use people for their own goals, for their own needs. So when they pay attention to someone, it's normally to, to get from A to B. It's for whatever they need. 
narcissists will behave in ways that are destructive to other people. They don't ever care to go deep in a relationship. And what I mean by that is they don't ask open-ended questions. They stay to the shallow end of the pool. You know, it's yes or no, chocolate or vanilla, but it's never, why did you do that? What made you feel that way? How do you feel about a certain subject? None of that. The conversation's always about them anyway. So, you know, long before I heard the term narcissist or narcissism, I used to describe my father's family as enough about me. What do you think of me? And I didn't realize that I was encapsulating a narcissist in those nine words. So I certainly knew what it was long before I had a term for it. Right. Okay. Do you feel that narcissists almost by default, by programming, creates toxic cultures? Or is it possible for someone to work for a narcissist and yet still the culture in which they're working not necessarily exhibit toxicity? And we'll come on to what toxicity means in a minute, but what do you think about that? I think that everyone is capable of working for a narcissist. I have some coping mechanisms. Of course, they include a deeply dark sense of humor, but I think that you're capable of working for someone like that. And there are an awful lot of narcissists in leadership positions in organizations. I think that sometimes they are allowed to continue their bad behavior in the workplace because their benefits outweigh their deficits. I think that boards of directors or whoever oversees the leadership would look at an organization and say, well, they might be that, but they sure do know how to raise the bottom line. And so what you allow will continue. And in an organization, I have found that when leadership treats employees as replaceable without respect, they know it. The employees are well aware of what's occurring and they treat the organization the same. It's contagious just as much as a healthy, non-toxic organization is contagious. I believe that, you know, when you have mutual respect and when you treat people as humans, they respond and you increase loyalty and brand recognition as far as respect and on and on and on and on. It's contagious. So when we're talking about toxicity, okay, it's going to mean different things to different people. And very often an organization or a culture isn't necessarily toxic. It could just be an individual doesn't quite fit in. Okay. So what are the hallmarks, I should say, of an organization that genuinely has a toxic culture? As in, how will I know it when I see it? I've broken down 10 signs of a toxic coworker, colleague, or boss. And I want to point those out and then answer your question about the culture, because I believe that when you have any of these in an organization, that spreads. And what happens is when someone in an organization sees that bad behavior is allowed without any kind of punishment, that they continue to do it as well. Because if it's okay for the leader, then it's okay for me and it's okay for you. And it's, it's okay because who cares, right? If the leader doesn't care, why should we? So that's kind of the very basic fundamental breakdown in an organization. But I believe that, you know, we've all seen people with a few of these characteristics, but perhaps we've seen them with uh, all 10. You know, I was lucky enough to just win the lottery with the toxic behavior. I got all 10. 
10 out of 10. (laughs) 10 out of 10. So I'll go through them quickly as there's 10, but please feel free to stop on any one and we can expand on it. Okay. So the first one is they don't take responsibility for any of their poor decisions, right? These are the people who are the first in front of TV cameras when everything's going great, but they're most likely throwing someone else under the bus when something goes wrong. Two, they avoid conflict at all costs. They don't like to have uncomfortable conversations. They have other people to fire people, and they don't want to have anything to do with any kind of conflict. Three, they micromanage everyone. As in, they ask you to do something, then send you an email to ask you if you've done it. Then they send a message to the person that they asked you to contact and so on and so forth. Rinse and repeat. It must be so exhausting to keep all of those tasks in their head. I can't even imagine. Four, they don't communicate well and sometimes at all. They have different communication strategies and they do not like to be challenged. Five, they expect everyone to be on call 24 hours a day, no matter your pay level or level of responsibility. Six, they have no boundaries. They email and text at all hours, evenings, weekends, and they get angry when there's no response. Seven, they don't plan, they just react. I once described this as a nightmarish version of the hokey pokey because they keep pivoting to someone or something else and they blame whoever was tangentially involved or otherwise for a poor decision and they move on and there's no overall strategic plan for the organization. That was one of the really big tip-offs for me when I realized that we were just reacting to whatever society, the economy, whatever was happening. We had no plan. And, you know, I like to plan. So that was a bit of a problem. Number eight, they're focused on short-term optics instead of correcting whatever the root cause of the problem is. They would rather, you know, put a fresh coat of paint on it and smile again for the cameras than actually get in there and do the work. Nine, they completely ignore turnovers. They don't want to hear about why people are leaving because that may reflect poorly on them. So they just don't want to talk about it. And 10, they provide lots of criticism, but they never provide any level of coaching or educating you on what they actually want. They just get angry when you don't give it to them. So those are 10 tips on how to identify that toxic person that you work with. So I once worked with someone who I think displayed, as you were going through that, I would say probably nine of the ten, okay? Obviously, I'm not going to mention his name because he lacked so much self-awareness that I'm quite happy to talk about the fact that I work with him and, you know, he displayed all these things and he is listening and I hope he is. He won't think I'm talking about him. But I am, all right? And so I've worked for a number of people. Almost all of them have been fantastic. He was actually a really nice guy, right? But displayed all those things. And I guarantee you that he will automatically think I'm not talking about him. He's, he'll think, oh, I'm one of the nice guys. I wasn't, I wasn't that guy. Right? But the funny thing was that after work, having a beer, going out to a bar after work or whatever, or when we were on like a journey somewhere, he was the nicest guy. However, in a work setting, he was frustrating because of lack of direction. 
function. He created a chaotic workplace because there was no structure, there was no direction. We knew that he was like the kind of buffer between us and senior management. And if there was any success, he would take the applause. If there was any downfall, he would point the finger. And it was incredibly frustrating. And I think the most telling thing was that nobody on the team respected him. Nobody. We liked him, but nobody respected him. And it was difficult because we didn't want to kind of mutinate and demand a change. Whether or not that would have achieved it or not, I don't know. But we didn't want to do that because we liked him. He was outside of a work setting. He was a nice guy. And we all felt a bit sorry for him, if truth be told, you know? Yeah, wow. But it's interesting that you, when you talk about that, I never really, until you kind of delineate, when you started going like one, two, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's like <laughs> ticking, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, seeing all these ticks on the checklist. Right? I'm like, oh my God, yeah. right? So that situation resolved itself as it happens. But what would you have advised the me of then under those circumstances? So once you're aware of how they operate. It's very difficult to not take things personally, but you have to. And you have to just take a step back and look at the situation. You have to know that narcissists operate from a place of very deep, deep insecurity. Once you know that they're unable to have these real relationships with people and you know all those 10 characteristics of things that they do, then you're able to address it differently. First of all, I always give the caveat, if you can leave the situation, you should do so for your own mental health to protect yourself. It's an unstable environment. It's not usually for the long haul, but there are reasons that everyone has to stay in a position, whether it's the benefits or the compensation or the commute or whatever. Perhaps when you write everything down, you really love the job. It's just this person that's a problem. So number one, you must embrace their style of communication stop challenging it. They don't like challenges. They don't want to be confronted. So if they like to have conversations over email, that's how you communicate. Don't set up meetings face-to-face if that's not how they like to do things, you know, just embrace the way they do it. Number two, you must focus on doing your job well, because at the end of the day, if you're going to stay there, you've got to be committed to doing your job and doing it well, no matter what other noise is occurring in your everyday work. Number three, if it's possible to see this person less, if it's possible to opt out of situations where you encounter them, I would tell you without being insubordinate, I would tell you to do them because sometimes it makes it easier to tolerate this person if you come in to have less interactions with them. I also believe that when you remember they're coming from a position of insecurity, you have to feel sorry for them at some point. You know, this is not a strong person. I'm a very big believer in emotional intelligence, and it's something we kind of talked about it without labeling it. Narcissists have very low emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is more than just being self-aware, but that's a huge part of it. And exhibiting empathy, certainly also a huge part of it. But we know just for a definition, emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize, understand, and manage our 
our own emotions while recognizing, understanding, and influencing the emotions of others. So once you can do that, I think that it does bring you a certain level of peace. Also, I would tell you to please do something out of work, have a hobby, whether it's exercise or it's meditating or prayer, whatever it is that will help you channel some of your emotions and feelings as well. And make sure you surround yourself with a support network. I can't begin to stress this enough. People need to be seen and heard and toxic people don't see you or hear you. And so you need to have people in your life, whether that's friends, your spouse, romantic relationship, your children, your siblings, even co-workers that witness this person's bad behavior. I think that all helps. Narcissists like to isolate people from their support network because they don't want anyone to know about their bad behavior. It's part of the problem. So surrounding yourself with people that care is so important. So do you feel that a toxic culture very often can be the result of one bad individual, as in remove that individual and the, and the culture can change? Or do you think that more often than not, it could be something more systemic? I think it becomes systemic when that type of person is allowed to continue their bad behavior. I think right. that's what creates a systemic problem. In one of my situations, I had a CEO who was like met all 10 of these. That made it very difficult. He had a board of directors that he had put into place and there were no term limits on the board of directors. There was literally no check, no balance. And I think that made the organization beyond toxic. So it was a combination, both bad leadership and then no oversight. It just allowed the organization to just continue to roll into that horrible cycle of toxicity. They had in one year, almost 25% turnover. Now for any organization, that is a huge red flag. Now, what happens when you have that level of turnover? There's no stability in the organization. No one can count on anyone. Literally, there's no employee loyalty. The employees have no confidence in the organization. And this all leads to a terrible reputation as far as the organization goes, both with customers and clients and in relationships. I mean, it's awful. The conference room doesn't necessarily focus on the nonprofit sector. However, I've got a lot of personal experience in that arena myself, right? So I'm curious to know, given your own experience, since a lot of times you'll find in the nonprofit arena, you'll have a number of people who are kind of paid professionals that work in it. And you'll also have volunteers, even up to like the board of directors, very often are volunteers, you know, well-meaning people who believe in the mission of the nonprofit. So how do you feel the strategies might need to differ when you're working with people who are volunteers and they're doing it out of the love of the organization or whatever, right? Versus a regular kind of for-profit company. So for example, I would imagine when you were running the nonprofits that you did, you're probably, I would guess, answerable to a group of volunteer directors. So it's your job and you're working for somebody for whom it's their hobby or pastime or just a side passion, okay? <laughs> Been there myself, actually on both sides of the table. So how would you advise someone who identifies toxicity in that arena, perhaps differently to you would someone who identifies toxicity from their boss or whatever in a regular kind of commercial setting? So I must tell you that while I was leading not-for-profits, I always ran them as a for-profit organization in the sense that, you know, we weren't operating at a deficit. We had to have uh, positive profit and loss sheets and revenue. Right. People often forget, I used to say um, that not-for-profit doesn't mean you're not allowed to make profit. 
Right. It just means you can't return it to the shareholder. You know, Correct. you can still make money. You can still be, be uh, revenue positive. Yes, yes, absolutely. But I agree with you when you have a situation where you answer to volunteers or people who wanted to put your board on their resume, you know, <laughs> it is different than when you're answering to an organizational structure of a corporation. I actually had both because I was with hospitals and with hospitals in New York state, they're not for profit by the way. But again, that doesn't mean that they can't make money and they should lose money, which is what it does not mean. But in that instance, I actually had, it was a very odd organizational chart in the sense that I had a volunteer board of directors who I imagine had they hated me and I did horrible things, they absolutely could have voted to fire me. But I also reported to the CEO of the organization. And he and she, they reported to the systems board of directors and the system CEO. So there was all of that leadership in place to make sure that there were checks and balances as far as finding that sort of problem. I worked for one particular organization for a very long time. I had zero toxicity there. I must say it was the kind of place I think I could have worked forever. And I chose other opportunities in much more colorful and toxic ways. <laughs> but look where I am today. You know, I would not have this experience had I stayed in that organization. It was quite lovely and a very short commute. So good stuff. So what are your three tips for somebody who finds themselves in a toxic work culture or working for a narcissist? What are your top three tips for them to manage or improve the situation? First of all, leave if you can. That's number one. Number two, protect or uh, protect yourself legally. And what does that mean? Hold on to emails and voicemails if they are overtly destructive, if they are overtly threatening consult with HR if necessary. And I find that contemporaneous notes to yourself to put in a file, and it sounds very old fashioned, but actually type them out with a date and a time and print them out or just email them to yourself so that you have those recording what kind of behavior was questionable. You'll know what bad behavior looks like when it occurs because it's not normal and it's not normal to gaslight you. And I know I'm going to define that term, but it's not normal to change the facts of what occurred in reality and make you question yourself and question your own sanity. And I had a CEO do that and it's eye-opening. It's shocking. Like once again, I go back to when I discovered who my father was, because this is not what you expect in a normal work situation. And, you know, there's a reason that you came to work in this organization. Maybe you had great respect for the company. Maybe you had great respect for your immediate boss. But whatever it is, this behavior is always shocking when you receive it. And then three is really about protecting yourself, protect your mental health. Don't be isolated, really practice self-care. And, you know, when I talk about self-care, it's not about bath and body works and massages and baths, oh, it but should be. it could be about that, <laughs> but that's just part of it. You know, it's really about keeping yourself healthy. Stress is a horrible thing to our health. And certainly I don't need to tell you that that's a pretty widely accepted fact that stress can do 
some real damage to your health. So you've got, it's incumbent upon you to keep yourself healthy. And whether that's eating right and getting a massage or exercising or meditating or praying, or that looks like putting on clean clothes, whatever it is, you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself while you're in this type of environment. Okay, good for you. That's great. What's next for you? And obviously you've got the book out, but what's next? What's next? Well, I would love to speak to organizations. I've spoken at a few companies already about keeping your culture positive and keeping that mutual respect and what it looks like if you do have a toxic environment. I'd also love to help if you have a toxic employee and you want to invest in them. I would be happy to do one-on-one coaching with that person. And really, these types of people aren't willing to change unless their job is on the line. So if the company wants them and they want to invest in them, I'd be happy to help. Okay, great. And if anybody wanted to work with you, how can they reach out or find you or follow you? Please follow me on LinkedIn, Lynn Catalano ESQ, at Lynn Catalano Speaks. Follow me on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter as well, Lynn Cat Speaks. Okay, great stuff. And we'll share all the links to your various different social platforms uh, in the show notes. Lynn, this was an absolute joy to speak to you. I've learned so much. And I just reiterate when you were kind of going through that extraordinary checklist earlier of those 10 factors. I was just blown away. And maybe had you and I crossed paths those years ago, maybe it would not me in the situation that I'm in, but I'm sure this is going to help an awful lot of people. And it's been an absolute joy spending time with you. Lynn Catalano, thank you so much for coming into the conference room. Thank you, Simon. It was great. Coming up next week on the conference room, I'll be talking to Chief Growth Officer of Taylor Green Media and sales training expert Chandler Walker. We were working on fixing an insurance company's cold calling process previously, which compassion conversations, cold calling, you'd think it doesn't make sense, but it really does because it's about tonality and approach. People who have seen everything, they're grizzled, they're angry, they're frustrated. They don't want the sale. They know you're going to try to close them. And so when you approach it this way, it knocks them back a peg. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so that more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact, anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, Or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to The Conference Room. Until next time, keep talking.